0: Welcome to the first episode of the Keeping the Fire podcast. Really excited to show you what we're going to be cooking today throughout the episode. Woo! We've got our campfire started here. I have some picanha here that we're going to throw on. Tell them. Tell them. Normally, I have a controlled environment where I am cooking this, but we're going out on a, a whim here and cooking this rough style on a grate out here over a campfire, over some driftwood, basically, that we've picked up here. Where are we at right now, bucket? We're in a magical place for us. We are in a magical place.
1: But not just anywhere in Colorado. We are in San Juan's National Forest. And we found ourselves uh, this little cove here in between several mountain peaks. It's kind of a sanctuary for us. Beautiful place. We basically just kind of pointed
0: to a spot that we thought looked cool that was surrounded by mountains. And Puckett found this
1: gem up in here. What is the name of the campground area up here? This is the Golden Horn campsite. That's where we're at.
0: Real quick note before we finish on the Colorado thing. What I was doing just now is I'm taking a piece of fat and I'm cleaning the grate. Because if you're gonna cook picanha, especially Brazilian style picanha, you want the grate to be super clean. You also wanna kinda let your fire die down a little bit. You don't want too much ash in your cook. I think we're good to go now. Let's do it. To start things off, I'm going to try and render the fat here first, which is kind of difficult. Like I said, this is not a traditional way of cooking it because we're out on a grate here in the wild. But what I'm going to try and do is just a little bit off center of the grate, put it fat side down and let the fire do the work on that fat. It is going to turn to butter. It's kind of a funny story how we got this chunk of meat. Oh my gosh, no bull. Yeah, this meat's coming to you today, sponsored by... Uh, What's the name no of it? No Bull Prime Meats. No Bull Prime Meats. And this stands for
1: no bullshit. No Bull. No Bull Meats. It's for you, Brett.
0: Yeah. What a character. This guy, we walk up to the place. And we, well, Puckett and I actually, on the way here, we stayed in Albuquerque one yeah. night in this super sketch hotel. Like, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> we thought the ratings looked nice. Basically, if you could picture like a Motel 6 type place, yeah, it was really sketch. But we went right after that to see if we could find a butcher, like a good butcher, and stumbled across a gym. We found it. It was amazing. He had all kinds of meat. We're talking
1: alligator meat, rattlesnake, bison, ostrich, elk meat. And I know know what you were thinking. All this is nice, but I came for the cow. I'm telling you
0: guys, if you are ever in Albuquerque or if you're ever on the way to Colorado, stop in. The guy is a character. It's basically, he was this guy that from Chicago, right? He said he's from from Chicago, Chicago, Illinois? Yeah. And basically he was born in the wrong place. Let's just put it that way. Super cowboy. We walk in the front door and he's like, "Eh? What do you think? What do you think? And he literally has a freaking revolver on his side. He's got a huge Bowie knife on his left side. Would a man who's wearing a freaking revolver be playing around? I would not think so. (laughs) He's not playing around. (laughs) And he was so stoked to give us the tour and basically show us the whole place. Really cool experience to kind of start things off. And he was super excited uh, to sell us this picanha. (laughs) What we wanted to talk to you guys about. I wanted to kind of give a little bit of introduction into who Puckett is and kind of what he means to me. Also, kind of the journey that we've come across to get to the place we're right now with starting this podcast. And kind of with the things that are stirring in my heart to... Uh, see young men's lives changed for the kingdom and to be all that they can be in their masculine journey. And that's, that journey for me started
1: a long time ago. Actually in 2011, I met you. This guy walks up to me out of nowhere and says, Hey, I'm Forrest. Would you like to go to Mexico with me? And I was thinking, that sounds like fun. Sure. (laughs) Why not? And that's how our friendship started. It was great. So, and then Basically his family was living in Mexico at the time and we went out there on a on a missions trip and I got to meet his whole family it was, it was pretty awesome at yeah. the uh, time.
0: Yeah and on that trip like it was really awesome we got to bond a lot over leading worship together kind of just jamming to worship yeah. music. I We'd, tried a little Spanish. You did? Did. We did uh, por ti, huge throwback. But no, we, we really connected over music, and also the first spark of an adventure was that we actually climbed a mountain that was shaped like a monkey's, head. monkey's head. Yeah, which, which is really not, bizarre. Not in the middle, of were quite an adventure that day too, because tell them the short version. Okay, the short version of what happened, and real quick note, um, we're gonna check our fat here. Almost went to jail. No. <laughs> we did actually almost yes. go to jail. Real quick, just a note guys, the fat is rendered here, and so I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over on its side. You wanna leave this stuff on its side for about a minute a piece, and then you wanna flip it, okay? So I'm gonna take it off the fat. The fat's already rendered here. And, uh, if you guys could smell this, you'd wanna smack your grandma. Don't
1: bring your grandma to this barbecue. That's right.
0: To continue the story, we actually had a bus in Mexico. It was,
1: it was ugly. It was a tiny school bus. Yes
0: let's just say we caught all the wrong kinds of attention in this bus because we were living in a place that was more secure and it was like more middle class families and um, because someone had really been super generous to donate a house that we could have as a mission base to bring missionaries to we're staying there but all these people are like this this bus looks horrendous. And it said Pentecostal power God on the side of the bus. It was terrible. So what happened to the bus? The bus broke down in this mountain town that we were in, in Wayapan. And we had to transfer to my friend's red pickup truck. Except there was only one thing. It had a
1: dying cow in the back of it. It was literally on the verge of death. And I remember them like dragging this cow out of the truck and then spraying it down so that our entire missions team could ride in the back of this tiny little truck. There was no other way the mission had to go on it had to go on anyways on the way there we got pulled over by the policia oh yeah and they they wanted to bring us in and (laughs) forrest works some kind of magic you somehow got us out of the this situation so that we could make our way to this uh monkey-headed mountain
0: yes it was it was actually kind of dramatic moment because he basically told my friend who was a worship leader there he basically said, I'm gonna throw you in jail and you're gonna rot and die in there for curing all these people in the back of your truck on a highway. And I called him back then I was like, hey, uh you thinking you to help us out. We're students from Dallas and we're here to report on whether Mexico is corrupt or if they're friendly. Oh my or... gosh, you said that? Yeah. Are you serious? I said that to him, yeah. I said oh that to him. Oh
1: my gosh.
0: And he's like, Oh Dallas, como los Dallas cowboys? Oh my gosh. I, should... <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. And you remember this. Yeah he comes after that I don't know how this ended up happening but he ended up asking for a picture with the girls of our group he wanted to have them like hold his guns and for us to take a picture of him with the girls that were there as in missions and we're like well if it gets us out of a ticket with the federal police or not in jail I guess we'll do that we ended up taking a picture with him and There's some kind of strange bribe I, I see I see what you did there it was an interesting bribe so anyways yes back to the point Puckin and I became close friends after that, I'll keep it short, but we we ended up going to Colorado the following year, and it really sparked something inside of us, we'd really dug into Wild at Heart, the book by John Eldridge, and it really impacted us a lot just because it talked a lot about how one of the things about the masculine heart is the need for adventure. And we really found that adventure in the mountains, doing things that really took us out of our comfort zone. We had never climbed a mountain before that day, and somehow my uncle roped us into getting up Mount Lindsay, which is a 14,000 foot mountain. Bucket, how you feeling?
1: Feeling like a new man. Zach. Bueno.
0: Bueno. About to climb that bad boy right there. A class three, but it had some parts that were more like a class four, especially the part that he took us up. And I think you can speak for it, but I think we walked away from that experience much more confident men after we had conquered something and been a part of an adventure that was a little bit bigger than ourselves and something bigger than what we thought we were capable of, of achieving. So I think we realized the potential and the need to go in search of what made the masculine heart come alive. It's been a seven year process. We've done a lot of worship leading. We've done a lot of lot of long discussions about the heart of a priest. We've taught in our church, we've taught in our worship teams about the priesthood. And I feel like it's taken another step more specifically into something that's feel is a super, super important topic today is the masculine heart. Yeah. Because culture today yeah. wants to destroy the distinguishing factor of male and female, the distinguished genders of male and female. Guys, it is so important, because gender identity is everything. And Puckett and I just started to notice, I guess within the past couple of months, the Lord really put on my heart to start this podcast. But at the same time, God was kind of brewing some things in your heart. Can yeah. you tell them a little bit about what the journey you've been on the past six months and kind of some transitions that have happened between, you know, as far as your
1: church situation. Right, yeah. I think it was about three years ago where everything I read, everything I studied, just my experience, I started to see this great need that was lacking, really, in the world. And that one thing was discipleship. Yeah. And, and I, I think anybody who's, who's been in church culture or, like, kind of been in and out, in and out of churches, you know, it, it's kind of hit or miss. There are definitely ministries out there who are nailing this thing, and, and killing it but there's not a whole lot out there. Yeah. Really in an effort to make that a focus, I really had to peel back all of my excuses that I had been making in my life. Yeah. Right? I had been making all of these excuses that I had this really it was just a, a long religious to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> that I had to do. Yeah. And if I wasn't doing that to do list then things were not going to get done. I, I just found myself at a place in my life where I needed to change my focus. Yeah. Right? And, and this is, I'm not I'm not saying anything negative about like the people who've influenced me. Yeah. Everybody who's been in my life, especially my leadership, has been an influence to bring me where I'm at today. Yeah. Um. And and who have imparted into me. And so that that's what I've been working on for this last year is really narrowing my focus in on discipling, specifically discipling other men. Yeah. Right? And and I made it a part of my 10-year plan to disciple a specific number of men in the next 10 years. Wow. Like, that's become my mission. Wow. And everything else outside of that doesn't matter that much.
0: Yeah. So what does that look like on a week-to-week basis for you? I know that that really made a shift in your schedule as opposed to what last year looked like with maybe schedules with, I mean, you were a worship leader last year. You spent a lot of time like, in practice with the worship team, which nothing wrong with that, kind but of. what was the shift in your week-by-week schedule that happened as a result of kind of these
1: changes? Every single week, Thursday nights, I meet with a group of men in my garage, and we do not sugarcoat anything. And we get down to really the heart well, uh, issues, and, and we're able to, one of the principles that we uphold in the group 100 percent confidentiality yeah right and so like anything that's spoken in those groups stays in those groups. yeah Um, and so it really becomes a safe place for men to share their hearts yeah and to be open to one another Um, and so it's not just on Thursdays but like throughout the week we're we're calling each other we're meeting up with each other we're checking in on each other we're praying for each other yeah right we're involved in yeah. each other's lives very deeply, yeah. right? Like we're going, we're at each other's kids' birthdays, yeah. And uh, I mean, out of all of the life events, and checking yeah. out ways how we can support one another. And so that's a really big part of, of what I've done. And, and my wife meets with the ladies uh, on wow. the other side of our house, and so it's like it's this small little quaint thing, but we have found so much life in just doing uh, doing community with the small of people. Yeah. Which I think in culture today, or
0: even in some other environments, I'm not going to say everywhere, but it's crucial because we don't like to get involved with people's messes, right? But we were just talking about this last night as we were sitting around the fire, just about our friendship and the closeness that we've had in our friendship. The things that have connected us the most have been the moments when we've walked through really difficult seasons together. And and we weren't afraid of the messes that were going on in each other's life at that time. And just, I really thank the Lord for a friendship like I've had with you, We've been able to share dreams. We've been able to share
1: marriage problems. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And work through those. I think that that's what our relationship taught me a lot about how to do this walk truly in community. Like, and and the word I would like to use is brotherhood. Yes. And so I feel like I was able to practice that with you for years and years. And so it was just natural to share that with others and to create that culture. Yeah.
0: And wouldn't you say, through the brotherhood that we've had, I can say this myself, 100% a better man because of it.
1: Absolutely. Because
0: we've talked about this a lot, like, uh, and and Eldridge talks about this, that true masculinity isn't something that we just innately have. Right. We can be a man by gender, but true, authentic masculinity is something that is bestowed either by our Father in heaven or by our brothers on earth. And that comes because men operate through affirmation. And so that brotherhood concept was something that kind of sparked Puckett and I in the past couple of months, really in the direction of discipling men and and also my heart in starting this podcast. And there was a conversation that really was, I could say, a turning point for me in that journey. But the question I asked you, no, the question that you asked me, I'm sorry, that really struck me was, what is man's biggest problem? If I remember correctly, my response to that was I immediately go to the purity thing, right? Because we all think that, you know, men struggle naturally with purity just by nature. But you had a little bit different response for me. What what was it that you said?
1: Isolation. That was the biggest problem. Yeah. So if we look back, starting in Genesis, actually, the original sin, mm. let's take a look at what what happened after Eve ate the the forbidden fruit uh they ended up going through this process and, and what that process looked like was they quickly realized they were naked and they were not clothed. Mm. and they became ashamed mm. and they were afraid mm. right mm. and so they hid from from the living god like yeah. this was in in i mean they literally walked with the creator of the universe like yeah can you imagine this like Literally, they're hiding. Yeah. And that's kind of a... It, no. it, it's a funny concept because it's, it's like God. Like, you can't <laughs> hide from God. No. But they're hiding, right, from Him. Yeah. That was the result yeah. of what happened.
0: Isn't it interesting yeah. that God was looking for them in the garden? Because before that, it said that He walked with them in the cool of the day. So God was actually seeking them out. He wasn't right. going to leave them in isolation. Right. But, okay, I'll owe you back that,
1: there, there's a there's a whole uh, deep sure. subject on that, yeah. but and, and I, I do I, I want to give credit to the author uh, who's had a really big impact on me. His name is Brian Childress. Yes, and you can find a lot of what what uh, we're talking about here in his book, Naked Warriors, mm-hmm. and he he does a whole deep dive on isolation. But I, I think in my life personally, if I look back on the darkest seasons of my life. Really where I felt the most alone, where I did fall into temptation. I gave into temptation. These, this was a season of isolation this is when I made a conscious decision long before that to isolate myself yeah. specifically from other men yeah. and they didn't have a look in on my life they didn't know what was going on in my life right yeah and they weren't able to speak to these areas right and so I just like when I was in that moment right when I was giving into these these temptations I was ashamed Mm. of these things so I just wanted to hide more yeah yeah <laughs> you know I want to hide more uh, uh, here's another thing I wanted to just pray more yeah. right like yeah. if, I, if I just pray a little bit more like, like Lord take this away from me right like yeah. I don't want to deal with this that wasn't really the solution mm. uh, to to what I needed mm. so what is the solution you know, to isolation it's funny you ask because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're practicing it right now yeah vulnerability through community and practicing that so just anybody and just we'll get that we'll get to that okay first off I want to I want to back up yeah on this before I get go into that that deep dive there has been a stigma Mm. for men okay being vulnerable and so if you're a man in the 21st century you're gonna understand what I'm talking about it's this okay don't show any weakness this message has been drilled into our heads over and over yep. and over and over again. Yep. Do not show any weakness. Yep. Right? Like you're you, you're supposed to be the tough guy. Yeah. Right? Like no no no. You're the one that's supposed to help everyone else. Yeah. You're the tough guy. Right? Don't show anybody that you're weak. Yep. Don't do that. And so you see this everywhere. This is in movies, right? This is yep. in social media. This is just like ingrained into our society that this is what masculinity looks like, right? Like yeah. I'm freaking Rambo, right? Yep. And I can take everyone out yep. on my own. And yep. so like this is mm-hmm. actually a very dangerous subliminal message yep. that's made its way in to our culture. It's because like we wanna be the hero. Yeah, keyword right? on my own right on my own like i am gonna do this by myself right isn't it interesting
0: that some of the world's most elite warriors that we have documented in history never used an individualistic mindset if you look at the spartans oh my gosh if you look at the roman soldiers they always sought to to fight as a unit and I, i think it was actually the roman soldiers i heard this once before they used to shout as one before. So operating as a unit, as a band of brothers. And there was so much more power. I mean, you have a unit of maybe 10 guys that could defeat defeat, or even even hold off an army of 100 wow. if they fought together as a unit, protecting right. each other's
1: backs. That's incredible. And, and I think if there's a message that I want people to hear, it's that you can't do it alone. You know, I, I want to call out that that is actually a facade. Yeah. Uh, that we've been sold all of our lives right that in and of yourself you have the ability right to overcome uh, your financial struggles, right, your mental struggles, right, your yeah. marriage problems, your pornography problem, your pornography problem like yeah. let's point this out. Yeah. Like all of these things that it's like only if I do more right like here's here's what we especially in the christian world yeah we're like oh man if only i do more yeah. right if i can pray more i just need to read my bible more because i'm not holy enough yeah yeah <laughs> right it's like oh man 10 more verses for that one it's like no man i got a verse for you it's like no stop quit it stop it right That's not your solution. There is no pill that you can take, right? That's gonna fix your problem. What we need to come to the realization of is that we actually need someone else looking out from the outside in to our situation to point out the hard issue, to point out the the problem, right, and to help us walk through that journey, right? And back to kinda what you were leaning towards is we have to do this in community. Can we just talk about community for a it's second? Good. Good. Because I think community has been misconstrued as well, yeah. this this term, this definition of what community looks like. You had made a really good point about the
0: taboo, It being taboo to bring yourself out of isolation and to be vulnerable about what's going on in your heart as a man. Actually, that question question was raised recently in a meeting that we had with a group of guys, because similar to you, I've started yeah. a group. We've, we're meeting every two weeks on, sa- on Saturday mornings for brunch, And uh, we also have a monthly meeting we do in the evenings, but we just sit around the table and we just get vulnerable with each other about what's going on. And some of the guys talk about the fact that they deal with pornography, masturbation and lust. Some of the guys shared that they struggled with anger issues. One of the guys that I talked to, he was very new to that culture, to the culture of being vulnerable, to a culture of kind of like coming together and allowing other men to speak into your life and affirm in your life and to really stoke the fire for you to get back on track and be responsible as a man and so he, he kind of shared he's like man it's like my whole life i've thought of this concept of opening up just as like not manly at all ultimately my response to him was the most manly thing that you can do is to bring yourself out of isolation and into the company of other good Christian men that you can be vulnerable with and bring the sin that's in your life, yeah. bring the pain that's in your life, bring the wounds that are in your life into the light. Because those things, it's very, very, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's very difficult to cut them out of your life and to get healing in your life unless you expose them and you bring them into the light. And it's good. You've seen this. I've seen this. But when you get a group of men together like that and you sit down. And you set the precedent before them. Yeah, We're here to sharpen each other. And this is a safe place, like you talked about. Safe environment. It's the right people, not the wrong people. I could go into that. Right. Make sure that it's good community, good, strong Christian men that you can trust. Your legacy is on the line as a man. Your future generations are on the line. Get into good community. And that leads to your point on community. It's not taboo. It's the manliest thing you can do.
1: That's good. Yeah, and I just... want to echo that just by saying like really the only way for us to overcome you know the challenges in our life is through being vulnerable with these other men that's a challenge for us because it it rubs against kind of like our nature and what we've been taught our whole lives I really truly believe like what I've read and I've seen and experienced in my life to do the Christian walk in context it's done in community so we see this everywhere first off we see that uh, Jesus modeled this perfectly for yeah. us in his life, in his ministry, right? Um, he preached to thousands, right? You see that moment. You, yeah. you have these mountaintop experiences where he's preaching to the thousands. Yeah. Uh, miracles are happening. People are going to say he's walking through the towns, like crazy stuff, right? Yeah. What was he doing 90% of his time? Like outside of these mountaintop moments, he spent that time with 12 men. Very intentional with these guys. Not 15 men. All right, 15 men. No. 12. 12 men. I think it's safe to say that if the Creator of all the universe modeled discipleship by spending time with a small group of individuals and investing his whole life into them, yeah. then we should be taking note of that. I want to encourage you to like take a look, not at just what Jesus said in the gospel. Yeah. Okay but look at what he didn't say and string together the chronological events of what happened in his ministry in these three years when he was you know before he was crucified and what it must have been like for him and think about these moments because truly he spent all of his time with these guys he spent every waking moment pouring into these 12 individuals, and not just the 12, but we see a few within the 12 that were even closer to him. Yeah, that's true. Like the Peters. The inner circle. And the Johns, right, that were super close, right, and that just knew him even more intimately than everyone else. I feel like you're staring at this meat. You really want to take a bite out of it, so yes, it's distracting stick, me. I can let's take I'm, a I'm listening to what you're saying. It's distracting me. <laughs> let's first take question a for you:
0: Do you like rare or do you like medium rare? Because I cooked that one rare, and this one's medium. I like medium. Okay, I'm gonna swap you. All right, but first, I'm gonna show them real quick. I'll swap you. Yeah. So the cutting process on picanha. If you watched the first video that I put uh, on the preparation, whenever we cut the steaks, uh, I showed you how to look for the grain of meat and how to cut the steaks so that it runs with the grain. Well, whenever you do the final cut on a picanha piece after it's rested for a little bit, we may have let it rest just a little bit too long. It's still it's still hot, but you could, you could go ahead and cut it a little bit sooner than we did. But you're going to want to cut against the grain of meat, and you can see here. The grain runs this way. If you cut against the grain, you're going to have a much
1: more tender bite. I need to stoke the fire a little bit here. It's getting chilly. What are we, uh, sipping on right now? Like it, no to, to... I-, I can't even pronounce it, brother.
0: It's like Artebeg, something like that. I can't pronounce it. Scotch whiskey. Literally, like, the most expensive bottle. It is probably... Can... Yes. I love Scotch whiskey. I like bourbon, too but this one is phenomenal. And one thing I like about it is it has a really, it has a nice smoky finish. I love that they heavily smoked it with the peat moss there. It almost has like a hint of like tobacco, like a tobacco finish on it whenever you sip on it. But sips really nice with picanha. I highly recommend. I'm gonna take the first bite. Let's do this, bro. Bro, that thing's bleeding. That's I how it. I like my steak, y'all. I love it. I like my steak bleeding. Now, don't let it deceive you because picanha naturally does have a little bit of a red. Finish to it if you let it age for If you let it sit for a bit, oh my gosh. this picanha they told us was aged for 60 days, I think, before they um, packaged it and flash froze it. That is phenomenal, bro.
1: You are not kidding. Live changing. Melt in your mouth.
0: Um, I highly recommend if you're gonna make some picanha, get you a good French roll, sourdough bread, put some garlic, put some butter on it, eat that on the side, get you a nice glass of wine. We did bring some good Parmesan cheese, it pairs really well. I don't eat it on it, oh, but yeah. if you just break out a chunk and eat it on the side, it is, in my opinion, the best steak in the world.
1: Very nice. Anyhow, back to what you are saying, Bucket. Okay. No, oh, we were talking about living the Christian life in context yes, yeah. and yeah. doing it in community and how Jesus modeled that for us. Mm-hmm. But if you go further, right, into acts oh my gosh like the most powerful example of community is happening and you see here's the thing here's a key scripture it gets to the point where it says that they actually like people sold land and and they shared what they had and then key scripture that says they lacked nothing what and this really was because they were practicing community in their daily lives and guys Listen to me when I say this, community is not a small group, No, community is not showing up to church on Sunday, that's not community, yeah. Right? you can connect with people in these environments, right, yeah. but community goes so much deeper than that. Community yeah. is when I'm actually looking out for you, and I know intimately, What's happening in your life, yeah. and I'm concerned, and I'm here to actually meet those needs yep. for you and lift you up, pray for you, and, and be here. Yeah, right? That is real community, and that cannot happen. On an hour, in an hour's time every week. It's just not possible. We need something more. And so to the point that we kept pointing out was, I want to be careful with this too, because you can't do community with everybody. And this is the hard part. You only do community with those that you deeply trust with yep. your life. Jesus put it this way. He said, uh, true love is this, that one would lay down his life for his brother. If you, if you don't think that somewhere in the back of this person's mind that they would lay down their life for you, yeah. right, or they would sacrifice something for you and yeah. give up their own well-being for you, that might not be true community because yeah. they might not be actually invested in it your interests. Yeah. They might be in it for their own interests, right, yeah. and what they can get out of you. And have, has anybody <laughs> listening ever been in those relationships where every time you feel like they suck the, the breath out of you, yes. the life out of you, yes. and you're like, oh man,
0: I need to take a break. Dude, guys, it is not easy to find good community. It requires vulnerability, it requires risk, and it requires you Really asking the Lord to reveal that to you, but I believe that that is part of His design for us as Christians right. is community, and I believe that He won't leave you lonely. He won't leave you in isolation if you start seeking it with your whole heart. Right. If you he start seeking out authentic community right. around you, the Lord will bring that to you. Because I'm telling you, there was a season of my life when I realized I was in college. I had to, I after I finished. Steve and I, I moved back to my parents' house to kind of save some money while I was going to DBU because DBU was really pricey at the time. I realized I didn't have community, and I needed community. And I started actively searching for community and ended up moving to Dallas. And I noticed that every season of my life where I set my heart to pursue community, the Lord answered that prayer, and He brought it. So I really want to encourage you guys out there who haven't found it yet, I know it's scary. I know it's scary to be vulnerable with people, but amongst the right people, C.S. Lewis had a great quote on vulnerability. Oh, tell him. Man, I wish I could quote the whole thing. I will put it in the description. But basically, he says to love, and in this context, community, to love is to get your heart broken. But he also says on the contrary, to shut yourself off from the world and to cut out every opportunity of risk of getting your heart broken, you in a dark cold cave prison where your heart stays completely unchanged and that is the worst place we could possibly be is unchanged
1: and where we have always been. Um, And we can't actually grow as individuals unless we have others around us spurring us on and refining us. I think some of the best relationships I've been in in my life were ones that were complete like people that were Opposite personalities for me, it's a, it's tempting to be like, man, I don't really relate to you, I don't have anything in common with you, right, this isn't working out. Yep. But um, if you stick it out, right, and, and, and you see the Christ in them. One of the things I tell my guys all the time is, you need to see each other in spirit. If you can look past the surface level that you see in front of this individual and you can see what God is saying about this individual, that allows you to step beyond kind of our social norms and things like that that we get stuck in all of the time and we get caught up in and we can call out the identity the other individual
0: which yeah. along with that I think it's so important in, in authentic community it depends on your background if you've been raised in a kind of a religious background I, I was in the Southern Baptist Church a lot I also spent some time in more charismatic churches obviously I went to see if an eye a more charismatic background but the traditional mindset is this overarching condemnation that's been yeah uh, when it comes to bringing sin forward man I'm telling you guys like when you, when you stop being afraid of people's messes in right. your life and when you realize that as a Christian, as a man of God, or if you're not a Christian yet, I want to kind of share a little bit about, when you realize that you have the Spirit of God in you or yeah. that you can have the Spirit of God in you, the messes of the world don't scare you right? because your response to that, if you're being led by the Holy Spirit, will be led by the Holy Spirit and empowered. So if somebody tells you that they're struggling with pornography, you're not like, ooh. Or if somebody tells you that they're struggling with homosexuality, that they're struggling with same-sex attraction, you don't run away as a man from that. If you're led by the Holy Spirit, your response will be in love and seeking truth and seeking to empower that person, not to empower them to continue in that sin, but... Your response is not always gonna be a stark rebuke in the moment oh my gosh
1: which is what we're tempted to do in many cases but we are that's if yeah. we see each other in the flesh if yeah. I see you for who you are like yeah. in like what I'm seeing here yeah right, yeah I will judge you yeah. I'm going to judge you Right? Yeah. there is no way around that like I will judge you if I'm looking at you with my human eyes yeah, yeah. but if I can see you how God sees you yeah right like if I can see the real you the true identity the God-given identity in you yeah I can see past all of my hang-ups right because that's what it is yeah it's my problem Right. if if your issues are causing me to run away (laughs) that's not your problem that's my problem yeah right I can't I can't figure that out but if we can stay in the room and one thing that Danny Silk says all the time keep your love on yeah if you can keep your love on the whole time All right, and you're never there's never anything this person can do to you, right? That would that would make you stop loving them or turn your love off, right? Or control your response to them. That's a whole nother thing. Is when we're being able to um, stay in the room with individuals and love them like Christ loves them and see them as Christ sees them, and it has nothing to do with you. (laughs) <laughs> it literally no. has nothing no. to do with what you can do in and of yeah. yourself, yeah. right? And we need, and this is what Jesus talked about in John 16, when he described the Holy Spirit as the counselor or the advocate. Some of us might look at that and kind of gloss over that and be like, okay, counselor, all right, I can come to him with my problems and things like that. Yeah. It is so much deeper right yes he's a comforter yes 100% yeah but he is there in the moment to counsel us right and to advocate for us in this moment right where we can't see correctly when I can't see you when I can't see my brother in the right light he's gonna counsel my heart to love you well yeah and to do it well right And and to meet that need that you have so desperately for community in your life you can be Jesus for someone in that moment yeah in their need yeah. you can be Jesus for them
0: those in the, in the type of community setting that we're talking about what you're referencing right now in this moments of counsel does that happen whenever you have an agenda for what you want to talk about in that in those moments of community oh my
1: gosh dude you went deep on that one no it doesn't And this is going to be a hard pill for some listeners to catch. Especially you structured listeners who have a game plan for everything. It's going to be tough because sometimes, you know, yes, we need to give ourselves the pep talk, you know, and we need to think through these scenarios to kind of help ourselves. Like, yeah, sure. Structure's not bad. It's not bad in walking on that path. But what it could do, it could be very dangerous because we could start to see the outcome that we want for the individual versus... God's outcome for the individual yep. right and then this is where it gets you know there's a fine line here there yep. really is yep. and if you're imposing expectations on someone else yeah and you're expecting them to fit inside that box yeah sorry folks not gonna happen yeah and they're gonna be disappointed yeah they will be disappointed and that's how hurt happens and that's that's where these bad situations happen when somebody opens up to you and they're like oh I think you just need to do XYZ and that's gonna fix all your problems how do you think that makes that person feel yeah right like no you need to listen listen to the heart of God for this individual and I can guarantee you it's gonna be very different from what you expected oh yeah it will be oh yeah
0: no that's so good man that's so good I think one of the things that has impacted me the most is this concept of well the past couple times that we have done the men's meetings I thought in my heart that I that I wanted to share on something specifically it could be anxiety it could be anger uh, at the beginning and that's to say that it's not to say that those topics didn't come up but in the meeting I walked in I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying let me leave Let me take over and and let me run the agenda of the meeting. So there's still structure. You don't wanna run for five hours and and not allow everybody to speak for one individual, but let them open up and bring to light. Let you open up, bring to light what's going on here, right? Brian talked about this in his book. It's all centered around what's flowing from the The heart, heart. the well of your life. So much power. I'm telling you guys, I've never seen a group of guys Motivated like this to just get around a table and talk. Usually, us as guys are motivated to get out and do stuff like this, right? Yeah, right. And this <laughs> this is how guys connect. I mean, we connect over doing things like I literally Friday just got done shooting in a a, a trap or a skeet tournament. Congratulations
1: okay. on winning! Thank you. By the way, thank you,
0: thank you. That was yeah the best day of shooting in my life. It was awesome. Um, but but most guys connect that way, right? Right. But bro, I I realized. That when you set the precedent that we're not here to talk about how much money we make right we're not here to talk about um, you know how successful we are right what new car we got right. you know which is common you know I've got this truck you know I got it jacked up here's the engine I got service in. Level. and we like to brag about it which is not bad I mean we say it's service level, it's not necessarily bad to talk about those things I like to talk about meat right I like Amen. To talk about smoking meat Amen. Um, <laughs> but it amazes me The power that happens to change someone's life whenever you gather and you set the precedent that we're here to sharpen each other. We're here to open up and we're here to be vulnerable and to expose the things in our life that are unhealthy, the sin in our life that's unhealthy. And we're here to um, talk about what we've done to overcome. We spent 30 minutes, one guy talking about how we overcame uh, lust. And it was life-changing for the guy that heard it in the last meeting. Um, Right.
1: So... Yeah, um, man. Can I just say? Yeah. That I am excited to do community with you. Thank
0: you, brother. I know we're I know we're running out of time. I know we got to close pretty soon. But something that really impacted me last night is we were talking about the moments of change that we experienced in the last 10 years. we know we know each other for 10 years now. Um, and if you're if you're looking for change um, to break out of the isolation, um, I want to encourage you with this. Um, if you're looking for change, if you're struggling with alcoholism, if you're struggling with lust, you're struggling with pornography, uh, I really want to encourage you with this, that the moments that we notice, especially in the people in our life, yeah. when the life change happened, there was an humbling that had to take place in their heart. Yeah. And a realization, which is so amazing. You look in, even in secu- in the secular world, the yeah. moments where people had tremendous life change, from drug addiction, from any kind of addiction, or anything that was unhealthy, or even um, pain that they felt, or or wounds that they had, it was an humbling, a a realization that the cycle that you're in is not healthy, that the things that you're doing are not healthy, and it grieves the heart of God, and realizing that it's not about doing a specific set of things, you know, a specific, like, set uh, rules. Right. It's more about your heart the health of your heart yeah. so if we could leave you with anything guys it's it's about tending to your heart and doing a check on what is the health of your heart right. Where's your heart at right. um, and there's nothing better for the health of your heart there's nothing better for your future generations for your children and for your children's children for your marriage. Than to get your heart into a healthy place in community and a break out of isolation. Because it's such a terrible problem. Um, I know we got to wrap up. Can we pray for these people before we close
1: it? Absolutely.
0: Holy Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. I pray that this podcast and the words that were spoken to these men, Lord, that it would be seeds that would be planted on good soil, God. And with, I pray that their hearts would be stoked, that the flame would be stoked in their hearts to seek you, Lord, and to to get to break the mold of isolation, Lord, and to seek good community, Lord, and seek to take care of their heart and bring to light the things that need to be dealt with now, that they don't wait, that they don't wait for that pornography problem to be solved until they get married. If they're not married, Lord tell i just pray right now that they would deal with it right now that it would be broken right now lord and that there would not be condemnation lord but there would be love and there would be change amongst good community lord so i pray that those out there that are seeking for it right now that they would find it we thank you jesus we
1: just pray lord that you would draw a lord first off unto you and, and that you would speak to their hearts god and you would re- first reveal as david said you said search my heart O lord God, you would reveal, God, these, these areas of, of our hearts Lord, that we have tried to hide from you. At the same time, you would bring other men into their lives to speak truth and love, Lord, truth and love, God, and that you would surround these men, God, with men they, they can trust with their lives, and men that, they, that would lay down their lives for one another, God, and model this love in such a supernatural way to one another. In Jesus' name.